I was reminded again this week about the importance of what happens at New Life Church. And I was reminded about what, of all of the many important things that happen, what's most important. And my goal and my thought on this is that my goal for you is that you get to heaven from New Life Church. I do not want to assume that you'll get it somewhere else. I do not want to believe that every message is the same or even similar enough that believing some shred of this little message and this little message will somehow get you to heaven from New Life Church. But rather, I want to be clear enough, often enough, that you can't miss the good news that is in Christ Jesus. And so, to that end, we're going to continue looking at the book of Romans. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 is a, a kind of a new take on the, the good news so that we see beyond the shadow of a doubt that the only way to be made right with God is by faith in Jesus Christ rejecting the uh, possibility that I might be good enough without Him. So let's look at Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had made, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make Him the Father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. 
And so here we have uh, the Apostle Paul taking up the idea that he began last week. The idea being that there are two basic approaches to a relationship with God. The one approach is the principle of works. Okay, the principle that God helps those who help themselves. That God loves those who do good. That good people make it to heaven and bad people don't. There is what's called the principle or the law of works. And then on the other hand, there is the principle of faith or the law of faith. In other words, that God operates with human beings based on their faith in Him. So that either one of those is true, but they cannot both be true. You cannot operate under these two principles. It must either be one or the other. Okay? I mean, cosmology was transformed when we recognized that the planets all went around the sun and that the earth was not at the center of the solar system. One of those things is true. Either the sun is the center and the planets go around the sun or the earth is the center and everything goes around the earth, but both are not simultaneously true and they're not a little bit true in some kind of fractional way. One is true or the other is true, and that's all. And the same is the case now for the principle of faith or works. One of those principles is the way God operates, but not both. And so he takes up what he had said earlier and now gives it some illustration. And the illustration that he chooses is the person of Abraham. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, if he was going on this principle over here, then he had something to boast about. Because he contributed to his own relationship with God in a way that, that brought something of value to it. But then Paul doesn't, can't even get through the sentence suggesting that. So if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. In other words, it, that's not the principle that God operates under. But he chooses Abraham. And he chooses Abraham for two reasons. One is you can think of as a celebrity endorsement. Okay, you've got a, he's writing to a church that has a bunch of Jews in it and He's appealing to a celebrity. Okay, if Abraham lost 30 pounds on the Abraham diet, then you can too. Okay, that same sort of principle. So if this is good for Abraham, then it's going to be good for you. That's his first, uh, the first reason he cites Abraham. The second reason that he cites Abraham is, is also important, perhaps even more important than that, and that simply is this that God has not changed the rules. 
It is not as though Abraham in the Old Testament was somehow churning away under the law, hoping that by his good works and keeping the law, he would impress God. But now that it's different for you, you're under some other principle. He's simply telling us the principle for Abraham and the principle for you, they're the same. God operates the same way with you as He did with Abraham. And that's important because you need to know God's not simply changing the rules over and over and over. God has always worked the same way with people. And that is more clear here in verse 3 where He says, what does the Scripture say? So now He's going back to the Old Testament Scripture to point out for us what it says about the way that God has always worked. How does it work? What does the Scripture say? The Scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is, this is important. If you remember uh, Genesis there, when we talk about Abraham, Abraham was anything but the sterling example of how one ought to behave. I mean, he really, I mean, he told his enemies that his wife was his sister so that they wouldn't kill him. He, um, he didn't lead his family like he could have. He was, uh, um, he did all sorts of things. I mean, he took his, uh, his wife's slave as his own um, concubine. I mean, it just was not the guy that I'd say, oh yeah, do it like Abraham did it. And you'll be fine. Yet, the Scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That word counted is important because it's, the message is not Abraham did it right and you need to do it like Abraham. Rather, the, the message is that something outside of Abraham happened to Abraham that is important and it's important that it happens to you too. Namely, Abraham was counted right with God. Okay, that's what it means counted to him as righteous. In other words, God, not Abraham, God counted Abraham to be righteous. God made the decision that Abraham was righteous. It counted. So this really is an accounting word where some number is assigned to the ledger. And you can think of it in financial terms if you like. It is money that you did not earn that was deposited to your account. And now, you, now you've got plenty. In other words, it counts for you. It's your money now. And so you'll see this word over and over because this is, the, this is a crucial distinction. It was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Now, the one who works, his wages are counted as a gift. Um, and to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteous. But just as David also speaks of the blessings of the one to whom God counts righteousness 
apart from works. So, if you are to get to heaven from New Life Church, you must be counted righteous by God. Period. In other words, something must happen to you where you get a credit of rightness with God that you can't earn. That is beyond your pay grade. And so, how does that get counted for you? That's, that's the question. Because if you can't answer that question, you can't get to heaven from New Life Church. You must know why somebody gets counted or considered to be right with God. So let's look at what it says. Using our example, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. What did he do? He believed. How did he get counted righteous? He believed. He was not the sterling example of good behavior. Instead, he believed. That's what has to happen for you to be considered righteous. All you have to do is believe that God does something for someone who can't do it for themselves and God will count that, count you right on account of that. Okay, here is a further explanation of that principle. To the one, not to the one, excuse me, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. This is the explanation of the principle we're talking about. Because if you work for your uh, righteousness, for your salvation, for your relationship with God, if it is because you pray or give or go to church or are nice to people or, or lead a good family or you are good to the poor, whatever it is that you do to work, if you do something like that, you have changed you have changed the relationship with God into an employer employee relationship where you work therefore he owes you your wages. I remember when I was uh, when I was a kid I, I didn't I didn't have very many meaningful jobs. The jobs that I got were digging post holes. One, one guy, and I don't know, still don't know why he wanted a big hole in his yard, but he wanted a big hole in his yard. And so, he hired me to dig this big hole in his yard. And so, I was just um, on the end of a shovel digging a big hole in his yard. And it was not... It was the Rocky Mountains. It did not come out easy. I'm just going to say that. And... At the end of the day, okay, he would have, you know, I, I would get paid at the end of the day and expect me to come back the next day and do the same thing. I would work and then he would pay me. If I was to work, <laughs> trust me on this, if I was to work and he did not pay me, 
that I would not have been okay. That, my friends, is what you do to God if the principle you work on is the principle of works. I'm a good person, therefore God must pay me with eternal life or with righteousness or with some sort of reward. And you, you transform this relationship into an employer-employee relationship, which is a relationship God does not want with you. Instead, He says, this rightness with God comes to you as a gift. God doesn't want to be in your debt so that He has to pay you for your work. He wants to give you the very same rightness, only give it to you as a gift. Very different. When I try and explain this good news to children, I'll often ask them, I'll often say, so, what did you do to earn your birthday present? And they'll, and they'll wrinkle their forehead and they'll what are you even talking about? No, no, seriously. What did you do? What did you do to earn those presents that you got on your birthday? And for the life of them, they can't figure that question out. Because the question doesn't work. Okay, the question itself is a broken question. Because they know. You don't earn birthday presents. That, otherwise, it's not a present. Otherwise, it isn't a gift. The only way it's a gift is if it comes to you for free. Okay? That's why when God d- designed the way that He would have a relationship with a human being, He designed it to operate on the principle of faith not on the principle of work. So that it's not employee-employer, it is more of a free gift. And this is the explanation for that principle. It doesn't come because of works. Rather, this gift comes to the one who does not work. Okay? In fact, it's important that you reject the idea that you might even work for part of it. See, that's what I find a lot, especially people who have been around the church for a while and have heard messages like this before. They'll say, yes, 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 I, I get the free gift thing and the eternal life, blah, blah, blah. But I, I still am pretty sure I have to be a pretty good person. Okay, look what this says. And to the one who does not work. Not a little bit. Not a lot. Just not at all. How, how could it be more clear about the, the, the working requirements to be made right with God? It couldn't be. Okay, it's to the one who does not work in order to be made right with God. But instead believes in Him. So, here is the principle of faith. We must believe in God. 
What are we believing about God? We're believing, we're believing chapter 3. Okay, if you have your Bibles open in your lap and you just want to remind yourself, you have to believe chapter 3. You have to believe that all have sinned, and all includes me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, that I have a sin problem. Okay, so, but all who believe are made right with God because God has put His Son forward as a propitiation for sin. The propitiation, again, simply means that God has satisfied His wrath. God is no longer angry with you. That's what that means. If you are working, you can't work your way out of God being angry with you. If you are believing that God isn't angry with you any longer because He said, I'm not going to be angry with you any longer because I give you Jesus and I I put my anger on Him so that I can be right or holy and the one who makes right those who believe, if you believe that about God, then it it comes to you as a gift apart from works. Believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. Now, here's the scandal in the whole thing. He justifies the ungodly. He doesn't justify the pretty good person. He doesn't justify the religious worker. He doesn't justify the one who claims to be justified even. He justifies the ungodly. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8 and 10 It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were His enemies, He sent His Son. There is is and must be a clarity that I have a problem with God. I am ungodly. And that problem can only be solved by Jesus on a cross. You have to be clear about that in order to make it to heaven for New Life Church. This past week I heard a, had a presentation of the Gospel that went uh, something like this. It said, God created you. And He created you special. Okay? I, I would agree with that. He created you, He created you special. Okay. God loves you. Okay, I'm pretty clear about that. That's true also. And He wants to be with you. Okay. I even read that in my Bible. Okay. So, He created you special. He loves you. He wants to be with you. So, you should believe in Him. Okay. That's pretty much what I'm telling you this morning. Okay. So, don't argue with that, alright? That was the presentation. That was, that was what I heard. 
What I didn't hear, I mean, and, and let me just say, that's all good, okay? What I didn't hear was any news. I didn't hear, I didn't hear the gospel or the good news because I didn't hear any news. Okay? I mean, everybody wants to believe they're special. Everyone wants to believe they're loved, right? Everyone thinks that you have to believe in something or maybe someone even. Okay? There's no news in that. The news is you have a problem. You are ungodly. What are you going to do about that? That is where you need something good. Okay? Where you get the news and then you get the good news layered on top of the news. This is the good news. That apart from works, but to the one who believes in Him, who justifies the ungodly. God will make you right with Himself if you believe that He will do that through Jesus Christ. If you don't believe you need to be made right because somehow you started out right and remain right, I'm afraid you've missed the whole point. Because only then can faith be counted as righteousness. Only then can God look at you and say, I consider you to be right because I consider you with the rightness of my Son Jesus, who I have counted, I have counted His rightness to be yours. Just to make sure, in case you miss the illustration of Abraham, he's going to bring in some more Scripture. He's a good Scripture preacher here. Okay? Just as David also speaks of the blessing to whom the one God counts righteous apart from works. That brings up David. Okay, what do you know about David? What would David say about the blessing of being counted righteous apart from your works? Well, what I remember about David, okay, I, mean, my, I remember the Goliath thing, but I also remember the Bathsheba incident. Okay, the adultery and the murder. What does he have to say about God after that? That's the question. What does God have, what does David have to say about God after that? He, this is Psalm chapter 32. This is what David says. Happy or blessed is the one whose lawless deeds, and he knows those lawless deeds to be sure, are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. That person. The person that God decides not to count sin. When God decides not to count sin against you, you are blessed. Okay, what, what did we just learn about how God counts somebody to be not sinful? He does not work, but believes in Him who justifies. That's how God counts somebody free from their sin. Okay? Because they believe. I want you to see Psalm 32. This is the, this is the original source that he uh, was quoting. Okay, it's very much the same, these first two verses. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. 
in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was dried up as the heat of summer. He felt the shame and he felt the guilt. And he tried to figure out, what am I going to do about the past? You see, I want, to make, I want, I want you to be clear about these things. I would love to give you an inspirational message that says, tomorrow, go out and do better. Right? Why? Because I want you to have a better tomorrow. I want you to have a good tomorrow. Alright? I do. That's not the point of this message, but I do. So I might be tempted to tell you that. But if I told you, have a good tomorrow, that doesn't fix yesterday. David had a problem with yesterday. David knew that yesterday, that yesterday God was angry with him because of his sin. What does he do about that? Okay, our principle in Romans is the principle of faith. He must believe. What does it mean to believe? Here's the next verse that I think explains what we're talking about when we talk about belief. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. So belief, when I'm talking about a principle of belief, I'm not talking about agreeing with historical facts about the person of Jesus. When I'm talking about faith, I'm not talking about feeling like He loves you. When I'm talking about faith, the principle of faith, what I'm talking about is you recognizing your offense toward God, your sin, iniquity, transgressions. Pick whichever one of those words you like or choose others. I don't care. Recognize you've got that problem. And acknowledge it. That's the, see, that's what was missing in this presentation of the Gospel that I referred to. If I believe that... I believe that God justifies the ungodly. I am not afraid to say I'm ungodly. Justify me. See, that's what faith is. So I acknowledge my sin. I don't cover my iniquity. I confess my transgression. And then what happens? And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. You took care of yesterday. I can't take care of yesterday. Nothing I do tomorrow takes care of yesterday. Only the blood of Jesus on the cross takes care of yesterday. He offers you forgiveness. Now, think about this. Okay, what, I, what I referred to about this presentation of the Gospel. He created you special. True. He loves you and wants to be with you. True. So believe in Him. True. Okay? If you acknowledge your sin. You don't cover your iniquity. You confess your transgressions. And you are forgiven. Why would this God who created you, who loves you, not accept you completely if you come to Him by faith? See, that's a beauty. That's a beauty of the good news is that God forgives and then He accepts. And it only happens 
through faith. It does not happen because you clean your act up. Okay? But just in case you doubt that, he goes back to this thing. Because so many of us go back there and back there and back there. Okay, the Jews went back there too, and now they're going to, instead of works of the law, they're going to work off of circumcision or some identity that they have as a people of God. The blessing only for the circumcised, or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteous. So this is, this is the same quote he mentioned earlier from, this is important, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Okay, Genesis 15, verse 6. Then he asked the question. How was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Okay, now this is this new math for you here. He's counted righteous, Genesis 15. He is circumcised, Genesis 17. 15 comes before 17. And you know what? That is the good news. The good news, and you may not remember anything, the good news is that 15 comes before 17. Okay. That you don't have to uh, identify yourself with the people of God even in order to be made right by faith. Because believing you are counted righteous before you identify yourself as the people of God. That's what the circumcision did. In fact, that's what it tells us in the next verse. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. You need to be clear. He was, he was justified by faith for almost 30 years before he was circumcised. That's at one quarter of his lifetime. Okay, we're, not, we're not talking about ticky-tacky things here. The principle God operates on, as illustrated by uh, Abraham, is that God justifies those who believe in Him. And only then would they take the sign or the seal that they belong to the people of God because they already have previously believed God. The purpose was to make Him the Father of all who believe. Again, making sure we're clear on the principle. The principle is the belief or faith in Christ. Not works. It's not the Father of all who accept circumcision as their sign. This is offensive to those who are Jews because that's how they think they were made righteous. By being part of God's people. But rather, He's a Father of all who believe. Without being circumcised. And this is why it's important. Because righteousness is counted to those who believe as well, not just to Abraham. The principle is the same. And it makes Him then the Father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but also they walk in the footsteps of faith of our father Abraham. The footsteps he had before he was circumcised. So the good news here 
is that God counts as right those who believe. Those who reject their own attempts to be made right with God. To somehow work their way into His good favor. You can't work your way into His good favor. That's what he's saying does not work. What works is believing that He justifies the ungodly. Admitting that that's who you are. Admitting that on the cross, all of the things that God needed to be made right were made right in Christ because He was right. And He took all my wrong. And He gave me all of His right. That's what it means to be counted. I was counted right. It means that that exchange happened by faith. And when God made that exchange by faith, then God considers me to be right. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I am at peace with God. And it is not just wishful thinking any longer. It is what God says He does for everyone who believes. And so my, my wish for you, my prayer for you, is that you are clear as crystal on this. And you believe it with all your heart. So that you are free to trust in the work of Jesus, not in your own work. Let me pray for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, I do ask that You would, would help our hearts that are so prone to want to do something, so prone to want something to boast about, something to be feel good about ourselves, Father, would You just let us forget all that and believe only in Christ, recognizing that You will not count our sins against us, but rather You'll count Jesus' rightness for us. And so God, we are thankful that You'll do that apart from our works so that we might be secure so that we might stand forgiven and that we might be confident that a holy and right God accepts someone who in His own right is ungodly. Father, we praise You for that. Would You accept our praise now as we sing in the name of Jesus. Amen.